0: Everybody. well, like Luke said, this has been on my heart for some time. So um, I'm extremely grateful and, and humbled for this opportunity to be able to bring this to you. Um, as I as I have been pondering what I'm about to break down, I realize how um, you know uh, insufficient I am to bring this to you. So only by the grace of God will I attempt. Um, so you guys, I, I work in construction, right? And in construction, I have a lot of um, pictures that get sent to me, right? And, and what happens is the guys will be like sending me these super close-up pictures of these images that are just like, uh, I don't know what I'm looking at, you know? And I'm like, dude, what, what is this? Can you do me a favor and just like step back? And give me, like, a perspective, you know? Like, what is a rockets and tar and some, like, what am I looking at, you know? And so what will happen is uh, I'll get these, these shots uh, all over the place, and I don't really know what I'm looking at or the problem until I get some perspective, you know? And so I then uh, have to either... Go out there myself and and, and view it personally, or uh, when someone can can send a photo that actually captures the whole issue. And this is these are you know miles apart. I'm able to then uh okay now let me get the right people, let me make this happen and go. So perspective is really important, you know. Um, and so for me, I'm a perspective learner. And for for reading the Bible and having an understanding of the Bible if we're just diving deep all the time and never taking a step back and looking at what it is that we're actually reading it's really hard to grasp where does this fit how does this fit what's actually going on and so what i'd like to do is i'd like to take a 10,000 foot perspective and look down at the love of christ okay so if you guys will just travel with me we're going to go in somewhere and we're going we're going to look at the love of christ um looking out okay so i'm going to be covering a lot of ground um but i need to i need to be able to build a foundation for you guys to to look at this and be able to understand where we're coming from so just just bear with me okay all right so first off we have a god okay we actually have a god who exists and um And this is totally broken down in Deuteronomy 4. Um, There is a God, he exists, and he made everything that we see around us. He is a, a God, whether you believe it or not. Whether you're willing to commit to the truth or not, he exists. Have you guys ever had a conversation with somebody where they're absolutely in denial of something, and they're not allowing the truth to set in? Well, whether you believe he's God, he still exists, and he is God. Now, this God is revealing himself through his word and his character about who he is and his nature. Now, his character or his attributes, they are a permanent or essential part of himself. Um, this permanent or essential part of himself goes through every single one of his attributes. So whatever it is that he reveals about himself, it's true, and it all ties to every attribute. For instance, um Uh, If he, this, this, our God is a a loving God. He actually exists, which means his actual love exists. Um, He is everywhere. He's omnipresent. His love is found everywhere and it actually exists. Are you breaking it down? You're doing it? Um, That's what I mean. This part isn't there yet, but it's okay. It's okay. Um, I'm going to go through a rally and then I'll break it down. It's cool. You're good. It's going to work out. So uh, I'm trying to just build a, a little like a uh, foundation of his characteristics that are going to be unified. So every single one of his characteristics are all connected, and and um, I'm just basically trying to give you a quick breakdown. So now we let's go with God is righteous. This is where it starts right here. All right. So God is righteous. There is none like him. He is righteous. And um, his righteousness can be found in all of his decrees, and all of his commands, and in his creation. Isaiah 45 says it like this. Uh, Declare and present your case. Let them take counsel together. Who told this long ago? Who declared it of old? Was it not I, the Lord? And there is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none besides me. So we're listening through the authority of the Bible of a God who is proclaiming himself. And with that proclamation, we ourselves are being able to say, oh, okay, this is who he is. This is this is God talking to us and telling us. So he is righteous and he created everything. We know we know of what he's created uh, because we're standing in his creation. So we're able to look around and see it. Well, in his creation, God is just his rule is perfect. It is true. He does not balance with false scares, scales. Uh, he makes righteous judgments. Our God is love. 1 John 1.8 says that anyone who does not love God does not know God because God is love. He is perfect love. More genuine than anything that you've ever experienced. If you ever had a relationship with somebody, it's like, you know what? That person knows me better than anybody else. Well, let me tell you, God knows you better than anyone else. Sorry. I was supposed to bring this up. But God knows you better than them. He knows you better than your family because your family doesn't know your sin. Your family doesn't know the thoughts that you have in your dark secret uh, uh, mind. And so God knows all of your intentions. He knows your heart, wherever you're trying to, to say to people. And he knows the reality beyond that. But this God is not ending there. He reveals himself as omnipresent. He's everywhere. You can't run from him. We learned that with Jonah this, this, uh, this last week. He is everywhere. They, they say uh, in Psalm 139, 7 through 12 says, Where can I go from you, Spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, there you are. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remote parts of the sea, there you are. Jeremiah says it like this. Jeremiah twenty-three twenty-three says, "Am I a God who is near?" declares the Lord, "And not a God who is far off? Can I hide myself? In, can, can a man hide himself in hiding places? Do I not see him?" declares the Lord. Do we not fill the heavens and the earth? Declares the Lord. You guys can't go anywhere. He's everywhere. So the, here we got. We have a righteous God who's just, who is all over the place. And now we're about to see his omni. His, um, omnipotent or omnipotent. Say that again. Omnipotent. 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 Yeah. Dang it! I said I wouldn't do that, but. Um. So his God is all powerful. Uh, Matthew captures this in uh, Matthew 19, 26. But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. There is nothing outside of his reach, you guys. Psalm 147, 5 says, Great is our Lord, abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Which, which brings me to omniscient. God is all-knowing. Isaiah 40, 13-14 says, Who has directed the spirit of the Lord, or or has counseled him, or has informed him? With whom did he consult, and who gave him understanding? And who taught him in the path of justice, and taught him in knowledge, and informed him of the way of understanding? No one. Job says, Can anyone teach God knowledge, in that he judges those on high? Romans says, Romans 11.33-34 uh, says, Oh, the depth of riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who became his counselor? No one. I had to add this because of winter camp, so it ties so beautifully. Um, Jonah 4.2. Um he had prayed to the Lord and said, "O Lord, is not this what I said when I when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you <laughs> that had you. Uh, for I knew I, I had a feeling someone was going to catch there. Okay. Um, for I knew that um, that you are great, you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love." And relenting from disaster. All right. That's a lot. Let's just take a deep breath, okay? Think about what we just talked about. Let's put all these little pieces together. We have a God who exists, who knows everything, who created everything, who is everywhere, who is righteous, who is all powerful, who is just, who is pure love, who is gracious, slow to anger, merciful abounding in steadfast love, who relents from disaster, who saves. This is our God. This is our God. Okay, now that God describes himself as three persons, one being. The Trinity is what we would call that. Just to simplify it, right? So, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. John 10.30 says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one, Jesus says. In Matthew 11:27, 27, all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. I just love those scriptures, by the way. They just, just speak to my soul. Uh, God, the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 2.11 says, For who knows a person's thought except for the Spirit that is in that person, which is in him? So also... No one comprehends the thought of God except for the Spirit of God. So Second Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen. So, so now we, we've just broken down what God claims about himself, is as there's a Father, there's a Son, and there's a Spirit. And all of those attributes that we discussed are in each one of God's persons. And so now, we have a foundation. I'm a builder, so I have to build upward, okay? So we're just, we're just building the foundation. Um, and so you guys can see his character, and that, now we're going to start to walk through what I would call, um, like, us existing. And I forgot to tell you guys this. The whole purpose of, of what I'm trying to break down is, um, I, wanna, I want you guys to start to listen to how those attributes Are going to play out in our walk with Christ. Okay? So as we start to go down here, I want you to remember about his character. As we start to to talk about um, how we interact with the world and how and our condition in the world, I want you guys to be thinking about this mighty God who exists, who is everywhere, and who is in steadfast love. Okay? So um, our God creating us, he does not need to create many creatures in his image to satisfy some desire to be a dad, a father of creation. He already has that in his relationship with the Son, who is an all-powerful God, who is all-power and all-knowing, and he also has that with the Spirit, who is also all-powerful and an all-knowing God. These concepts have um, have been stated to us through his word, but to really wrap your mind around it would be impossible. So the way I'm, I'm seeing this is we have a God who is, who is unfathomable. For us to really try to capture his essence or who he is or where we fit in this is impossible. But rightfully so. Could you imagine if you were able to conceive the thoughts of this God? He wouldn't be so big. He would be, he would be small. But we have a God who's so mighty and so grand and so beyond our understanding, it actually puts us in our place. We're able to say, wait a minute, I can't wrap my mind around this. I mean, have you guys ever sat and tried to think of concepts that you read in the Bible and try to put them together? Like, you know, gotten frustrated even? Like, like, um. Christ is 100% man and 100% God at the same time? Or that uh, God is three in one? He's three people, three persons and one being? Or or um, how is it that God can be everywhere and hear everything? I mean, he's, he's like listening to a trillion people, right? He's listening to like the angels in heaven. He's listening to the, the, the myriad of myriad of, of angels while he's got the dead who've already died of all creation. And then he's also got us and all of our prayers and all of our like what I, i can't even imagine the multitasking going on you know what i mean like who is this god and so i always think rightfully so you know that if i could if i could understand it then i'm not recognizing our god properly he is bigger than i could imagine so but God says through his word in Psalm 94, 9, 11, he says, he who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? He who disciplines the nations, does he not rebuke? He who teaches man, the Lord knows the thoughts of man. God knows us. This mighty God knows you. He knows each and every one of us and he knows us intimately. He knows us so much, you guys. That um, he knows us through our sin. He knows us in our darkest parts. And this is, this is the part that I think, for me, scares me. It, it scares me that, that someone could know me that well, and he's all-powerful. I'm like, I don't know if I can handle that. Because if I start to put that together, this is a judging God. We're talking about a God who is, who is capable of complete annihilation. But our God, he sees us, and knows our thoughts, which means God knows our struggles. He knows our friendships. He knows our desires, our dreams, our sins. God knows us better than any person you would ever grow to know. So now let's, let's look at Christ, our Messiah, the Savior of the world. Let's look at him specifically. Now Christ is the Father's one begotten Son who is eternal, who is also all-powerful God, equal to God. And he, in his submission to the will of the Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, was made 100% human, coming through a woman, but with the seed of God. Now, this is important. So, I'm only going to focus on on one. There's a lot of reasons why this is important. But one of them is, is this, that Adam... And Christ are essentially the first fruits of humanity. Adam, in his fallen nature, spread his seed of corruption and death throughout all generations. So, as you can see, that every seed that is planted in the earth up will come its kind. And all of this is broken down in um, the design that God put together, and we read that in Genesis 1 11 on, on the third day. God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on earth. And it was so. So if we start to look at the nature of seeds, we can see that if a plant has been planted, it came from the seed. Well, our seed as human in our depravity came from the seed of Adam. So from Adam, we have death. And that's how you are tied to Adam. It's not us, and the Bible's not talking about us. The Bible talks about Adam. And when you listen to Paul talk, it's like Paul is only talking about one species, and that's Adam. He's talking about the the death of Adam. And I've always tripped on this because if I'm really being real with you guys, I would say that I don't know how I relate to Adam and why am I suffering this because of Adam until I understand this concept right here. Which is that we came from that seed. So when he dropped his seed, they came from Adam. And then so on and so on. Until that that whole tree is starting from there. The death tree. Now Christ, not having Adam's seed, he came through a woman. And having the seed of the Holy Spirit is now a different tree. The first fruit of God and man. This is, this is extremely important when we start to look at how seeds are spread and where we came from. So each and every one of us came from the seed of Adam. And, and let me now break that out a little bit. So now we have um, each according to its kind is coming from, well, Adam was dead seed, so death was, death was spread through Adam. Now Christ, a man of God, a new seed, came and is now the first fruit of a new kind, bearing fruit of its kind. Now watch this. God the Son humbles himself to man, adding humanity to himself forever. Although I didn't realize that. But he added humanity to himself forever. And is tempted as a man is tempted, but never gives in to that temptation. Remember Adam gave gave in to that temptation? Well, Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, said he returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they, when they ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you're the Son of God, let's start right there. The devil knows he's the Son of God. And he claims it right there. And he says, if you are the Son of God. Because he knows who he's talking to. And now he's tempting him as the son of God. So we all know what's going on here. He said, if you are the son of God, command the stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live off bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you would then worship me, it will be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall not worship, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. And he took him to Jerusalem, and he set him on the pinnacle of a temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command the angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is said, you should not put your Lord God to the test. And then the devil had ended every temptation he departed from him until a more opportune time. Jesus, knowing our death and our our continued death seed that plagues our generation comes into creation out of the abundance of love that he shares with the father and the son father and the spirit he comes to save us from our depravity there is a cycle we cannot save ourselves from out of his love that he shares genuinely he shares in a relationship he he tells us to love god with all of your heart with all of your soul and all of your mind because that is the greatest thing that is out there there is nothing greater than god and so he says, out of his love, saying, Worship the greatest. Don't worship half great things. Don't worship things that are less than. Worship the greatest. And then he says, Love your neighbor as yourself. Love his cre- creatures, his uh, creation that was made in his image. When you think about that, God is telling you, I created these people in my image, and I am great. First, love me. And then, out of the abundance that you get from loving me, you will love your neighbor properly. So, Christ ministers to us for three years, proclaiming the truth and loving on those that he made. He made his own mom. And he made them all in his image. Then, telling them the truth, the Pharisees, he offends them. And he offended them by telling them that he was God and he was made equal with God. And then they falsely accuse him, judge him in the middle of the night, and then they began to brutally beat him. Eventually, he was placed on a cross. Jesus accepts all of this, knowing that what they meant for evil, God meant for good to save all those who would believe in Jesus the son of God and his death on the cross was the penalty for all of our sins that we have ever committed against God and that was being paid for in full by God himself this was solidified 3 days later when Christ rose from the dead the messiah the savior of the world was risen the truth this is the truth seed this is the gospel, the seed of the gospel, that, is, um, that his believers who believe in the risen King are able to spread to those around them. So our death, walking around in death, hear the truth. The truth is that the Son of God came, and out of his abundance of love, he died paying the full penalty of your sin. God didn't erase your sin. God didn't say, you know what? I'm going to take this sin and I'm just going to hide it and pretend like it never happened. No, it had to be paid for. And what he did was he put it on his son. And, and out of that, he, he died for it. It was paid in full. God rose from the dead. And now we, as believers, can spread this truth to all of those non-believers, anybody who was willing to hear it. And while they're still alive... They're able to hear it. Now, God is the one who brings forth life, just like in the seed of Adam. No one can make a baby. It's only God who decides who comes into this world. But that's not up to you. All it is up to you is to just keep planting seeds. The truth is the seed of the gospel. We have no other uh, power at all. And the Bible is very clear about this, that it is God who has the power. But out of our belief in God, we get to spread his good news. And and the joy that it brings, it should bring us great satisfaction to be able to know the truth and then to be able to proclaim the truth because that truth gives us hope, eternal hope. Now this new creation awakens the soul to the reality of their depravity and joy and thanksgiving should be the result of this miraculous transformation. When we properly see Jesus as a loving, gentle God that knows our struggle as man, and we properly see that he is more involved in our sin life than, than we want to believe, and he, yet he still died for that sin. And not, you see, he didn't just die for our sins, you guys. He didn't just say, you know, I'm going to die for sin in general. He died for your specific, all understanding and intimate knowledge of your sin. So when you sit and think about that and you really start to, to bask in this, it wasn't just all oh, sin in general because I think for whatever reason that wasn't clicking until I started to really break this down. God was right there with you while you're sinning. There's no way you can go anywhere apart from Him. You can't escape him, you can't escape His presence because we already talked about that. But this this mighty mighty God was right there while you were entrenched in your sin. Whatever your sin is, he was right there hating it. He hated your sin, but loved you enough to die for that sin, taking full penalty of that sin for you. I don't know about you guys, but that's that's love. And recognizing that kind of love, it allowed me to trust him. It's it's actually helping me understand that this God is trustworthy. This God hears me when I pray. This God knows what you're all about. There's no separation from this God. Here's the thing. He is still going to present me to his father blameless. You think about that? Even even us who are sinners, he's still he's still going to present me to his Father. Then Ephesians five twenty seven it says that that he might present himself to the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. I am not holy, or I am not blameless, and I I'm telling you that this God. Paid the penalty of my sin and made me holy and blameless. I believe that. That is where my hope lies. Showing his father the current sin has been fully paid for and that he has called us to himself, sharing us with eternity in the family of God. Galatians 4.5 says, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, Born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. In this realization, sin should not abound. Considering this great mercy, because you are beginning to see the truth from the lie. Romans 1.25, they traded God's truth for a lie. They worshipped and served the creation instead of the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. The lie is, you guys, the lie is that sin is better and it feels good and it's not that big a deal. The truth is, nothing's greater than God. And he knows it. And sin and adultery lead to death. And all of its destruction come with it. That's the truth. No matter if you believe it or not, it's going to lead to death. More death. And as a Christian claiming Christ as your Savior... You can go to war on sin and can confidently know that sin will be your footstool through the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. God is in you. You are grafted into the branch of life. You know how in the Old Testament you hear of Israel, they're being told by God to go and take over that land. And as God tells them, I will be with you, you will conquer that land. Well, God knew from the beginning the outcome of the end. God was with them, and the result was that they conquered the land. The key thing to remember here, though, is that the Israelites didn't just sit there and do nothing. They had to go and fight. They still had to get up and go fight. So here's where we're taking this understanding And we're taking this love of Christ and him looking at your death and looking at you. And then he's saying, I am the truth, the life. I am going to bring you from your death in your belief to me. But go, go and conquer your sin. So we have to get up and fight our sin. This is where we start to interact with what are we doing with our sin? Do we just keep sinning and say, God, pay for it all? No. No, we need to fight. And so now, think about this. In the Old Testament, you have the Leviticus priests who bring forth sin offerings to God. They put them to the altar and they just slaughter the sin offerings before God. So now, look at, look at it in this concept. We, as different, we are no longer in the If we claim Christ as our king, we are no longer tied to the seed of Adam and we are now grafted in to the tree of life. Through the truth, we recognize that we have been saved. And now we look at our debauchery through his great mercy. We have the memory of our sin, trading the truth for a lie, taking off the old and putting on the new, removing what is in our lives and putting on the truth. So we must go to war. We must take our sin and put it on the altar like a Levitical priest and slaughter it. So our household is like a slaughterhouse. In that, you guys, that is where we're looking for fruit. Attacking our sin and killing it. This is fruit that you're not. no one's going to see because this is between you and God. But if you are attempting to bring forth fruit on your own, you're trying to feed the naked uh, um, uh, clothe the naked, feed the poor visit those in jail and you're trying to to do all this in in just the kindness of your heart all that glory is yours you get to keep that here on earth and you will feel good about doing it because whatever God says is true is true regardless but we're talking about glory here so that's your glory you get to keep that here on earth but when you are dying to yourself, And you are killing the sin that lives within within you. That is going to bear fruit that people can't see. And God is the one who produces the fruit that people can see. Genuine fruit. The fruit that people can see happens with the put off and put on. I jumped ahead on my notes. Mm -hmm you have God in you. If you claim Christ as your savior from death and the king of your life, the king, through your obedience to his commands, is gracious to bear fruit in your life. And you can try to bear fruit apart from God, like I said, but that reward is here on earth. But when you commit to conquering sin and are determined to make your home a life altar where you are like the Levitical priest offering your sin sacrifices to the Lord, then your life should be a slaughterhouse where the bloodshed of sin is being offered daily to the Lord. And then let him take that and bear fruit in your life. His kingdom through this through the seed that you plant, that is the the seed of the gospel that you plant, um, will be seen as a natural response to the gospel that thrives in your life. By attacking your selfishness in in your life, the natural reaction is to be others-minded and loving others more than yourself, putting them above you. By attacking anger in your life, you see the gentleness fits in that spot that anger used to occupy. All this is happening through the renewal of your mind and the work of the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. This is the put off, put on. Romans 12one through 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and by, by the testing that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do you see, guys? There is a change that happens. There is a change by understanding your position and what you used to be. And and as we are growing, you you have to acknowledge that God didn't make us full-grown people from the seed of Adam. He started us off as little babies. We grew. We grew to understand. and We grew in maturity. And now the same thing happens when Christ has taken your death and plucked you from death. And brought you into life. As him being your savior. You are now a new creation. But you are now in the same spot. Think about it. How could you understand the fullness of God? So through that he is, he is expressing himself. And maturing you. Teaching you all that he is. And all that is going on around you. And where you came from. And what you're doing. And so now you start to think of of this new life, this new life that you are no longer tied to that and you're no longer bound to that and that you can surrender your life to this king. And so I'll, I'll end it here with Ephesians. <clears throat> Ephesians 4, 17, 32. In fact, you know what? Would everyone break this out? Let's read this together. Ephesians 4, 17, through thirty-two. I think it's important to to look at this together. Ephesians four, Ephesians 4 seventeen 4. through thirty-two. While you're going there, I'm just going to break it down, you guys. Looking uh, from 10,000 feet and finishing this off, we're seeing the love of Christ coming from existence, from all eternity. He has been in perfect fellowship with his Father, and out of that abundance of love, we see God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit create out of their abundance. And then they create a a whole world full of image bearers. Each one of your family members, each one of the people that you bump into, your neighbors, they're all image bearers of Christ. God loves them more than we could even imagine. They bear his image. God hates the sin. We are not called to judge as we interact with this world. We are called to recognize people in their depravity and recognize that apart from God, they will never pluck themselves out of death because dead people don't bring themselves back to life. But God, in his great mercy, gives you the knowledge and understanding and the wisdom of his gospel that you are now informed and able to pursue the truth to others, planting the seed of the gospel to all of those people that are in your circle. And through the renewing of your mind and dying to who you were and recognizing who you are, you can confidently spread that seed and watch as God brings forth new life. Ephesians 4, 17-32. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as Gentiles do in the futility of their mind, They are darkened in their understanding and alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned. Christ assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through the deceit desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to to really break down what you've been doing with me and and really just open my heart to how you have been churning and, and crushing me and, and opening my eyes. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for, for showing me this and, and revealing the sin in my life, Lord, as I have told you that I committed to to offering it to you and stop resting and basking in the sin, but, but turning it to you as it comes. And and I thank you, Holy Spirit, for revealing it and showing showing me like the refined sin that shows up too. Um I thank you so much, God. I do, I commit in front of everyone here. I, I pray, God, that that um that I will continue to do this, that I will in my human feebleness, I will attempt to do this, Lord, knowing that your Holy Spirit dwells within me, giving me the power and strength. I believe, Lord, because of your great mercy in showing me this and giving me faith and giving me belief. Lord, thank you so much. I give you my gratitude. And I know I can offer you nothing because that gratitude you gave me. So I have nothing to offer you, God. But I am so grateful. And I say this in in front of everybody here, Lord. Thank you. Amen. Amen.